We're in chapter 2 of Colossians today, uh, verses 16 through 19. Uh, The passage reads like this. uh, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism or worship of angels, going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. End of reading. Well, uh, one of the first rules I remember learning about interpreting scripture is whenever you see a therefore, uh, you should always go back to see what it's there for. Uh, And usually that means reading the preceding verses. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, without reading it, let me just review just sort of what we've talked about the last uh, the last couple weeks, the last few weeks. Um, In the preceding verses, in verse 12 of Colossians 2, uh, Paul tells us that we were made alive in our baptism by Christ. We received the circumcision of the heart. The reason God could do this is because Jesus took the punishment for our sins upon himself at the cross, thereby canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That was the wording that was used in the passage. That is our our breaking of his law. Uh, He canceled the record of debt that that accrued. And of course, we talked a lot lot about how God is the primary actor in our salvation and in that passage. And so it is in light of that, that we read the text for today. Since our forgiveness is wrought solely by the work of Jesus alone, we ought never allow anyone to pass judgment on us if we don't appear to be religious enough for them. That's the big idea here. And oh, how relevant such a passage is for us at all times throughout the church's history. Because mankind, we, you, I, we are addicted to making salvation about a set of behaviors. There has always been a tendency to add extra work to the finished work of Jesus to, quote, prove our standing, to make sure that we have enough evidence. Now, at the time of Paul's writings, Um, At least at first, at this first section of the passage in verses 16 and 17, it seems that there are people that want to add things that you must do. You have to add things. And and so it seems that there were uh, certainly Jewish-influenced teachers, probably much like uh, what the Galatian church was dealing with, Judaizers. And essentially they were saying you have to follow the ceremonial laws. That's pretty sure, or that's pretty clear in the text. Dietary laws are mentioned. You've got to eat kosher, probably what some people were saying. You've got to attend religious feasts. Again, those things are still going on. Uh, you have to make sure you observe the Sabbath. Those, that's kind of what is mentioned. And, uh, and you know what? Uh, Paul seems to say that, like, listen, if you want to eat kosher, fine. Like in other passages... It seems to be like, all right, fine. You want to observe the Sabbath? Fine. You want to go to a festival? You want to go to a Passover Seder? Fine. But as soon as you say you must 
do those things in order to be a Christian or in order to be a faithful Christian, that's when Paul gets the nails and the claws out and says, don't you dare add to the finished work of Jesus for your salvation. It all has to be based on what Jesus is doing. And here's the thing. It's, um, we have to recognize that none of us, no matter how long we've been Christians, is immune from this tendency to want to add to the work of Christ. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in uh, a good majority of, uh, you know, I, would, I guess you could say theologically conservative uh, churches that there were all sorts of things that were added to the gospel if you were going to be seen as a genuine Christian. You can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't go to dances, you don't go to movies, you, uh, you, you certainly uh, wouldn't want to hang out at a house of ill repute like a bowling alley or something like that. Uh, and if you did, those things were at the very least evidence that you probably weren't really serious in your walk with Jesus. That was in churches that would have confessed very similar things to what I'm saying to you about the gospel. But the truth is, uh, all those things, we're always prone to it, are just adding. They're just adding to the finished work of Christ. And so Paul says in verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we have to remember that when somebody says to us, well, you know, if you were really saved, then you would be looking like this, you would be acting like this. You always have to measure that up against scripture. And an interesting thing about the extra laws that we give ourselves is that a lot of the time they're not even found in scripture. So for example, somebody just commented, bowling alley? Yeah, exactly. It's silly, but yes, this was a thing. Uh, drinking actually is, is shown as uh, alcohol as a gift from God in Psalm 104 and John 2. And of course, not to be used drunk for drunkenness, but uh, smoking's never mentioned. Dancing sometimes is lauded as King David dances in worship to God. I mean, you know, all these things are just add-ons and, and aren't actually based in Scripture so often. And so Paul again says, listen, those are th all these laws that they're trying to make you do, the kosher laws, the Sabbath, that's all just shadows that were meant to point you to Christ. You don't have to do those things anymore. So then, if adding stuff to our salvation doesn't work, what about taking away stuff from your life to prove that you're saved? That's also a tendency, and I think that's what happens in verse 18 and 19, because he says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished in it together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So it seems that there is a mixture of both Jewish and Gnostic thought in whatever heresy is being promoted in the Colossian church. You have Jewish folks saying on the one hand you need to add these laws to your life. You have others saying well actually it, it comes by uh, taking away things, asceticism. Uh, asceticism is such a natural way for us to think that we can get close to God too. We think if we just if we just kind of starve our bodies and uh, and don't do something, then that will make us more holy. But I think Paul in our text points out problems with that view as well, <laughs> because he said he points out first of all that, and I think the rest of the scripture points this out that asceticism in itself actually is problematic because it ignores the origin of sin. Now, 
it's important to acknowledge, yes, the Bible calls us to abstain from certain things. Yes, that is true. But not to be saved. As a result of being saved, yes, not for salvation. Very, very key distinction. As a matter of fact, um, when we and so when we try to kind of earn salvation by not doing things, what we find out is that it doesn't deal with the root of the problem, which is our hearts. Uh, that's where that's what really needs to be dealt with. We need a new heart. So Jesus says in Mark chapter seven, uh, out of the heart of man uh, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder adultery, coveting, wickedness, and I could go on, I'll keep reading, but it's out of the heart that all these things come. And so, uh, Paul goes on to the point out, I think, a second problem with asceticism, and that it leads to a holier-than-thou mentality. So, uh, apparently the spiritual elite in Colossae were uh, bragging about visions that they had had, and becoming puffed up, that's the word that Paul uses. And, uh, and the truth is, when we sort of base our salvation on what we do, it's impossible for us not to go there. Either we go to pride or we go to despair. It's impossible for us not to be on one of those sides when our salvation is rooted in what we're doing or what we're not doing. And so, uh, and, and of course, this mentality has cropped up in the church too. Uh, throughout history, there have uh, been those that have seen themselves as more spiritually elite and they make certain distinctions. You know, they might think of themselves as those really walking with the Lord as opposed to the rest of the Christians that are, you know, maybe they're saved, but they're not really devout. They're not really taking their faith seriously. And so they become puffed up and holier than now. And Paul, uh, Paul finally tells us why it is that this won't work, and that is that asceticism or adding something to your salvation apart from Christ doesn't work because it doesn't get its strength from the fountain which is Christ. That's the dirty little secret about legalism, whether it be positive legalism or negative legalism. In other words, whether it be adding or taking away stuff in order to save yourself, Paul says you're missing it. If it's not rooted in Jesus, then it doesn't have power. Jesus is the power. The declaration of what Jesus has done for you is the power to lead a better, more holy life. Not these ascetical things, not these extra laws that you insist on doing. As he goes on to say, in, uh, at the, towards the end of the chapter, in chapter 2, that these things have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value, none, in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They are of no value in stopping your sinful desires. Only the good news of Jesus Christ dying and raising for the forgiveness of your sins actually empowers you to want to serve him. 
It is the gospel that is the fuel. Yes, the law still plays a very important role in that it shows us exactly what God's will is for our lives, but how to live in light of that will? That comes from knowing that Jesus has done it all. He's already given up everything on your behalf at the cross, so you don't have to. He has already beaten the world, the flesh, and the devil because we couldn't and we can't. So, so if you want to fast, fair enough, go ahead. If you want to give up certain things for Lent or, or some other part of your life, great. Hey, even if you want to climb in a cave for a while and be a hermit, I get it. Sometimes I feel like that too. Fine. Just don't claim it will actually make you more saved, enlightened, or holy. Christ has already taken care of all that. You're good. I hope that encourages you. I will see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. God bless.